Welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer and this is episode 141. Update. Things are chugging along. Work is going well. It was a pretty good week. I'm doing well. Cats are good. Overall, pretty good, uneventful week, and I am not complaining. I do find myself, and especially this last week, (laughs) does anyone else, am I the only one who, like, goes online, you know, does shopping, but sort of like you're strolling through a mall, you know, like, you just go on Amazon to sort of see what they have, you know? (laughs) Am I the only one who does this? And it's not just Amazon, you know, I I have a bunch of regular sort of retail websites that I frequent, Amazon and Zulily and Etsy and of course Ulta and Sephora. And a lot of times it's not because I'm looking for something. It's definitely not because I need something. I'm just sort of, you know, like going on, seeing what they have, anything new, you know, or like... Maybe I see an ad on Facebook or Instagram and I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. And so I click on it and I find myself just kind of going through. That happens a lot with me. Have you guys heard of a site a site called Cider? It's a clothing site, but the clothes are kind of retro. Oh, gosh, I am in love with this site. I have not purchased anything yet because I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I've, I've, I've read some reviews that are kind of so-so. <laughs> I don't think the quality is that great. They're not expensive, so the, the quality probably isn't great. But, man, the pictures of the clothes, oh, I love everything on that site. Like, it doesn't matter which decade it's from. They're just, they're so cool looking. I mean, like the stuff that's from this, especially the stuff that's kind of like from the 70s is is very much relevant right now. Oh, I want everything. I want everything from this site. And I I do have to say like the, the size range is, is excellent, but I maybe eventually I'll order from them. But uh, right now I just go on there and I just kind of like, scroll through and looking at the different clothes and imagining myself in them or when or where I would ever possibly wear, you know, like a a retro's 50s uh, dress with a full skirt that's got like cherries printed all over it. The answer to that is never, but it doesn't stop me from dreaming about it. The other day I was on Amazon, you know, doing my normal uh, window shopping and one of the things I always look at is like uh, the the deals of the day, you know, their lightning deals or whatever, just to see, because a lot of times they're really good deal, but you know, only if it's something you actually want or need, you know? So the other day I was on there and I saw that their deal that day was a set of two cans of Barkeeper's Friend. And it also came with two sponges and two microfiber cloths. And it was only $12. And I don't, I don't know if you know what Barkeeper's Friend is, but it, it's like this sort of marketed as like this miracle cleaner. It's a powder, you know, kind of like a cleanser, but it's non-abrasive. And it pretty much claims to clean anything, you know, kind of like that pink stuff. Have you guys ever heard of that? It's like comes in a tub. It's basically pink paste, pretty much the same concept instead of powder, the pink stuff is a paste, but... I was familiar with Barkeeper's Friend. I've heard about it. And I figured, you know, it would be 
$12 well spent if it actually worked because I do have some things that I have been trying to clean with other products and the other products just didn't work. And so I ordered it. It came two days later. Thank you, Amazon Prime. And as soon as it came, I was so excited. I ripped it open and I got to work. The first thing I did was I cleaned my stainless steel kitchen sink, which actually was pretty stained. And after just maybe a minute or two of scrubbing and then rinsing it off, it looked brand new. It took every single stain out of my stainless steel. My stainless steel kitchen is actually now stainless. And it, it was like, I couldn't believe it. So then I grabbed my favorite frying pan and I use this thing almost every single day. And I didn't have high hopes for it because I've had this pan for, oh gosh, probably 10 years, maybe more. And it has a lot of stains on the outside of it, you know, on the bottom, on the outside. And so, like I said, my hopes weren't that high. It took a couple of times. It did a pretty good job here too. It didn't get everything off. You know, it's not, you know, like showroom new, but it was, it's much better than it was. And it was so satisfying. It reminded me of that time years ago when I was, uh, we were getting ready for a big holiday and my ex's aunt wanted me to polish all the silver, you know, so that we could put it, we could set the table with it. <gasps> Have you guys ever polished silver before? Oh my gosh. It is such a satisfying process. It's just you, a cloth, the silverware, and some paste. It is therapeutic. It is peaceful. And then when you're done, I mean, it's not hard work at all. You're just sitting at the table. And when you're done and you, and you wipe off that paste and everything looks brand new, oh, it's so nice. It's so nice. It's like, it's like the perfect curl of the ribbon with the scissors. You know what I mean? Just one swipe and you get that perfect curl. It's great. So after the frying pan, I went a little crazy. I started going all over my apartment, barkeeper's friend in one hand, sponge in the other, just looking for things to clean. I cleaned the stove. I cleaned every single bathroom sink, toilet, and tub. And the one tub I have, well, down here in Florida, we have hard water. So a lot of the time, you know, like your porcelain sink or your fiberglass tub will get hard water stains. And I haven't found anything yet that has worked on them until now. And as I was gleefully watching all of the hard water stains magically disappear from my tub, like I said, stains that I have been trying to get rid of since the day I moved in here more than three years ago, suddenly I found myself asking, when did I get old? 10 years ago, you know, polishing silver aside, 10 years ago, I don't think I would have been this thrilled with my gleaming tub. I feel like this is something that mostly happened after I turned 50. Re remember how excited I was about my spin mop or, or that small vacuum I bought just to use on the stairs, which every time I use it, I feel like Monica Geller, you know, like when she says, now if only only had a smaller one to clean this one. Maybe it's true. You know, they say when you get older, the, the little things matter more. Or 
maybe that's just because we can't do the big things anymore, but <laughs> I'll take the wins where I can get them. TV podcast recommendations. Again, no new podcasts this week, and at least not ones that I would recommend. I did listen to one new one, but it's not good. I didn't even make it through one episode, so the search continues. Instead, I've been watching the new season, season three of Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. So far, so good. I, You guys know I already love this show. A few big stars have joined this season, along with Andrea Martin, who plays Charles's new living girlfriend. Paul Rudd is this season's victim, and Meryl Streep is the surprise breakout star of Oliver's new musical. I think I'm like four episodes in so far. Like I said, y'all know I love this show. I love every cast member, but especially Mabel, who is played by Selena Gomez. But I have to say... So far, the best part of season three is the way it has been able to renew my love and faith in Meryl Streep because her last few movies, not good. I also spent a really fun almost two and a half hours watching the new Flash movie on Max. I almost didn't watch it because I'm not that up on the DC Comics movies. I haven't watched like every single one of them like I have with the Marvel movies. But I figured I watched the TV show The Flash, so I had enough of a frame of reference. I'm so glad I watched this movie. It is so good. It is fun and funny. There was even this one moment where I like gasped with emotion. I I don't want to say too much because I didn't do any research on this movie, so I'm not sure like what is already well known and what would be considered a spoiler. But when it ended, all I wanted to know was, is there going to be a sequel? And from what I can tell, it looks like it's kind of up in the air, mostly because of Ezra Miller. And I know the allegations against him are serious, but he was really good in this movie. But if Warner Brothers doesn't feel comfortable casting him again, it wouldn't be the first time a superhero has been recast between movies. I mean, how many Batmans has there been? I can I can think of five just off the top of my head, and that's not even including anything like TV or radio versions. I just hope that Warner Brothers is able to figure this out and Miller is able to get some help because he obviously needs it, not only for himself, but also, you know, for me, because I really want a sequel. All right, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So part of my trip a few weeks ago when I went back home to Buffalo included a trip to Lilydale, New York. In case you're not familiar with this little town, Lilydale, New York is located about an hour southwest of Buffalo, and Wiki says it's the home of mediumship and spiritual healing. It's very small. In fact, I call it a town, but Wiki actually calls it a hamlet and reports its year-round population of under 300. And like I said, it's basically the people who live there are all uh, medium psychics or spiritual healers. And it's beautiful there. I've been there several times. I always love going there. There is something magical about it. It's, it's beautiful and it's 
peaceful and the people there are really friendly. Well, with the exception of that one waitress at the diner whose customer service skills could definitely use a refresher. But otherwise, everyone smiles. You walk past them. It's like no one's a stranger. They greet you. They say good morning. You know, they make you feel welcome. It It's just a lovely little place. And I hadn't, I hadn't actually even thought about Willydale in years, but a few weeks before my trip, I knew that there were people and things that I wanted to do while I was home, but I also knew that I was only going to be home for a few days. So sitting in my living room on the couch and literally with a pad and pen and, you know, trying to sort of like schedule out my days so that I could fit in as much as possible. And suddenly, completely out of nowhere, I just knew I wanted to go to Lilydale and I wanted to schedule an appointment with a medium. So I sent a text to my niece to see if she wanted to go with me and she immediately responded with hell yes. And it was settled. By the next day, our appointments were set. Now, I know that psychics or mediums or whatever you want to call them, I know they're not for everyone. But I believe in them. I feel like I've always believed in them. I think the first time I had a reading, I was maybe around 18 or 19. And it was actually the first time that I went to Lilydale as well. Since then, I've had a handful of readings, maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12. Some are better than others. Some are more accurate than others. I had one psychic tell me I was going to have twins. We all know how that turned out. But I had another one tell me that my great-grandmother, someone I never met in real life, was angry that my dad had started drinking again. This was at a time when my dad, who, after several months of not drinking, had recently started drinking again. I think... I've always believed that some part of us exists after we die. You know, we're, we're energy and energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be changed. You know, your, your human body dies, but your energy or what I call your soul continues on. And because I knew there was one specific person I wanted to hear from, a few days before my trip home, I made sure to ask him to stop by during the reading. I've told you before that I still talk to my dad on a fairly regular basis, even 12 years after his death. And I often am given signs of him still being around from time to time. So a few nights before my trip home, I said, Dad, you're going to have an opportunity soon to tell me whatever it is you want to say to me. So I'm just letting you know this now, because I really would like to hear from you, because I miss you. I also extended that same invitation to a few other people, saying, you know, now's your time if you want to get a message to someone. And I told a few others that they were not allowed to come through, or at least they needed to go to the back of the line. And if there was time, then they could come through. So... Fast forward to, you know, the actual day and time of the appointment. We're in Lilydale. I go in for my reading 
And we sit down and we can't even get through her introductory spiel because she says to me, there is someone here and he is very excited that you're here. I do you mind if we just get started with the reading. And I said, sure, go ahead. And of course it was dad. And, you know, she said some things that made it very clear to me that it was my dad, but also something that she couldn't have known. Like she said, this person likes to tell stories, but each time he tells it, the quote unquote facts change a little bit, you know, to sort of suit the situation. And and she said, my as she was telling me that, she says, he's laughing, he's telling me poetic license. And that is, that's my dad to a T. I told you before, my dad was a storyteller. He was an embellisher, you know, but his stories were also entertaining. And you didn't ever get bored listening to them because they were <laughs> never the same from one telling to another. And, you know, she actually said a couple of other things, too, about my, my current job situation that were spot on. She made some references and used some specific phrases, even things that my niece and I were talking about on the way to the reading. The woman talked about during the reading. I mean, it was kind of mind blowing and amazing. Um, you know, and of course, you know, great to hear from dad. And then a little further into the reading, the other person that I had told could come through actually did, but it took me a minute to realize it was them. And this was especially nice because I was able to pass on a message that meant a lot to two girls whom I love very much. Like I said, I know not everyone believes, and I'm not going to try to convince you either way. You believe whatever you want to believe, and that's fine with me. I actually, I'm not even sure how much I believe in psychics because not every session I've had has been great. But I had one session about 25 years ago that I was able to share with my family, and to this day, the messages I got continue to heal and inspire us. I've talked a lot about my dad in past episodes. I feel like you probably have a pretty good sense of who he was. And I can tell you this without a doubt, he would love the amount of time I have spent talking about him, but he may not have loved everything I've said. Again, every time I talk about my dad, I try to be as open and honest as I can. You know, I loved him, but he was flawed. The night my dad died, I got in my car, started it up, and the song playing on the radio was When I Get Where I'm Going by Brad Paisley. It's a song that talks about where we go after we die. And I knew without a doubt that was dad telling me he was okay. I knew this because years earlier, dad and I, during one of our many talks, had actually talked about what we think happens after death. And we were talking about things, you know, signs. And I remember telling him a story that I had heard about a father telling his daughter that when he gets to the other side, he will send her dimes. 
and because that had dimes had significance between the two of them and i remember at that time telling my dad i wanted him to send me songs because you know music meant a lot to my dad as it does to many and also because the strongest influence on my taste in music has always been my dad there are so many songs that remind me of my dad but they're all kind of obscure by today's standards so when i hear them it really does feel like dad's just kind of stopping by to say hi music is an amazing thing no matter what your taste is there's always at least one other person who shares that passion with you it connects us in a way that most things do not you can disagree with someone on almost everything and then you find out that they too love duran duran and suddenly you're not that different from them. There are so many songs that remind me of the people I love. Sometimes it's for logical reasons, a memory associated with them in the song, and sometimes there's no logical reason other than something about that song reminds me of them. Engelbert Humperdinck will always remind me of my mom. Sugar Sugar by the Archies makes me think of sister number one. Never Too Much by Luther Vandross is totally sister number two. For reasons unknown even to myself, Sister Christian will always make me think of sister number three. And Aisha will forever and always be the anthem of my BFF. I don't hear any of these songs on a regular basis, but when I do, I think of that person, you know, the, the one that I love, and it makes me happy. Everyone has had a moment where a song connects them you know, connects with them on an emotional level. And it's not just the lyrics, but it's the music itself. Think of the importance music plays in all of the different areas of our lives. No movie or TV show would be the same without the musical score underneath. Would any thriller be as scary without the creepy accompaniment? If you feel a surge of emotion when you hear a song, even a song you've never heard before, you're not imagining it. It's science. An article I found on SciTech Daily said that scientists have mapped out 13 key emotions evoked by music. In a study conducted at UC Berkeley, scientists interviewed 2,500 participants in the US and China about their emotional responses to thousands of songs from different genres, including rock, folk, jazz, classical, and heavy metal. They found that, quote, the subjective experience of music across cultures can be mapped within at least 13 overarching feelings, which include amusement, joy, eroticism, beauty, relaxation, sadness, dreaminess, triumph, anxiety, scariness, annoyance, defiance, and the feeling of getting pumped up, end quote. The study's lead author, Alan Cohen, who is a doctoral student in neuroscience, summed up the results by saying, quote, imagine organizing a massively eclectic musical library by emotion and capturing the combination of feelings associated with each track. That's essentially what our study has done, end quote. Cohen and his fellow researchers created an interactive map where the user can click on different areas and listen to see if they also experience the same emotions when they hear it. The article said that possible practical applications can range from informing psychological and psychiatric therapies designed to evoke certain feelings to 
helping musical streaming services like Spotify adjust their algorithms to satisfy their customers' audio cravings or set the mood. We've all listened to a song that makes us feel happy or sad or maybe pumps us up or even puts us in the mood. Anyone old enough to remember the late night radio show called The Quiet Storm? It was a program that played mostly 70s and 80s R&B love songs. I can remember falling asleep to it every night when I was in my teens. I don't know if it still exists, but I'm sure some version of it still exists today. And did you know that there are specific notes on the musical scale that are associated with specific emotions? For example, C evokes happiness, D sadness, F is optimism, but F sharp evokes relief. The notes in music can be viewed in the same way as paint colors. You choose different shades to express different emotions, but it's not just the musical notes themselves. A note played on the piano does not sound the same as that note played on a violin, and that's because of timber. Timber is sound quality. It's the way your ear recognizes different sounds. You know, like how you can recognize your loved one's voice in a crowded room. That's because the timber of their voice is more familiar to you than the others in the room. Much the same way that you can choose the same color, but it will look different based on which tool you use to apply it to the canvas. A red stroke applied with a brush is not going to express the same emotion as the red stroke of a pencil. Something that stood out to the researchers was that they expected certain songs to evoke certain emotions because of their associations to other things. Like, they weren't that surprised that the theme from Jaws evoked fear in the U.S. participants. But this was less likely with traditional Chinese music, and they were surprised to see that even with music that the participants weren't familiar with, the emotions expressed were the same. The exact composition of musical notes used in specific genres of music is well known. Sad songs, uplifting songs, even sexy songs generally use the same combination of notes and chords which are known to evoke that emotion. I remember the first time I heard the song Time to Say Goodbye. I got goosebumps. Not because of the lyrics, they were in Italian, so I didn't understand a word, but from the music itself. And then a few years ago, I heard this song by the Beatles that I had never heard before. I'm not sure how well known it is. It's called Golden Slumbers. And the first time I heard it, I cried. And I still don't know why, because it's not a sad song. Like I said, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan, so... Maybe this is song is well known, but I had never heard it before. And who among us hasn't had a good cry from an Adele song? An article I found in NPR.com calls this appoggiatura. It's an Italian word which means to lean. In musical terms, it's sometimes dissonant and resolves into the main note. A good example is Adele's Someone Like You, specifically when she sings the word you and the way the note dips down. According to the article, our brains are wired to pick up the music that we expect. You know, our brains are always trying to make order out of chaos. 
So when we're listening to music, our brain is constantly trying to guess what comes next. And generally, music is consonant rather than dissonant, so we expect a nice chord. So when that chord is not quite what we expect, like when Adele has that vocal dip down when she's singing you, it gives you a little bit of emotional frisson because it's strange and unexpected. Some say this was done on purpose because the song lyrics are emotional and so the music that accompanies it should also be emotional. But when the song's co-writer, Dan Wilson, was asked if this was done on purpose, he said he didn't know what appoggiatura was. He had a different theory about the song's rolling emotions, saying a good song allows the singer to walk through the songwriter or composer's thoughts and emotions that they had as they created the song. Wilson adds that when he and Adele were writing Someone Like You, she was at the end of a heartbreaking relationship, and he believes that the listeners are experiencing the same emotions that Adele was feeling when she wrote it. I think we all associate music with emotions. Maybe not to the extent that we ask our dead dad to send us a sign, but you know what I mean. You probably have playlists that you set up for specific things. Like, when I wrote this podcast, I was listening to my jazz playlist. And then later in the day, when I was cleaning my apartment, I was listening to my cleaning playlist, which is just basically music that energizes me. Which reminds me, I saw a meme the other day that said I've reached an age where I now clean my house to the same music I used to party with. Well, <laughs> that pretty much sums up that playlist. It's just a bunch of 90s R&B. I also have a shower playlist, which I, it's just songs I like to sing to. And yes, I do sing in the shower. God help the person who decides to date me. And when I haven't spontaneously heard from dad in a while, I'll put on my dad playlist. I think the best part of music is it allows us to express our feelings when we're unable to put them into words. Remember the days when if you really like someone, instead of just asking them out, you would make them a mixtape of all the songs that you knew they loved or songs that just reminded you of them. That was the ultimate expression of love. Do you know how thrilled I would be to get a mixtape today? Gone are the days where I'm impressed by jewelry. Make me a mixtape or, you know, a Spotify playlist because I don't actually own a tape deck or CD player. I really think that is the most thoughtful gift. Unlike almost anything else, music has a way of unifying us. Think of the anthems played at sporting events. You don't even have to know the words to be uplifted by them. And even though I did enjoy my visit to Lilydale, the truth is, I didn't need to go there in order to hear from my dad. All I needed to do was put on some music. So, Make your playlists, sing along, dance, or cry. Let the emotions flow. Allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling and just let the music do what it does best. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 141. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at my so-called midlife podcast. If you like podcasts, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. The second part is the important part. And on the day that this is being released, hopefully we will be through the worst of 
what could be a hurricane, what could be a tropical storm, we shall see. I am going to finish wrapping up recording this so I can go downstairs and take all of my patio furniture off just in case. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye.